Every week on this podcast, we follow the same structure. That's what makes people feel comfortable with coming back again and again, because, of course, they subscribe as they should do. Yes, and the structure starts off with us doing a, a funny bit. Usually the funny bit is related to the subject, but in this case, it's not. Because we were not able to come up with anything funny about st structured finance. No, but we came up with a little structure around it. Anyway, here's the funny bit. A sandwich walks into a bar and says, uh, I'd like a pint of Guinness. The bartender says, I'm sorry, we don't serve sandwiches. <laughs> That's the funny bit. Uh, but don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> you know, the first time I heard that joke, it was actually Bono told it at a U2 concert uh, because uh, the Edge's guitar had broken and he needed to fill in the time. Uh -huh. You see, because everything, everything like has a structure. Yeah, yes. everything has a structure. And that was in 1984. Wow. Yowch. That makes you sound uh, older. But I'm not so old that I can't subscribe to a podcast. I can use little digital machines and devices and subscribe to this because all kinds of different places. Yes, you can do it on Spotify, on Stitcher, on YouTube, on iTunes, probably a lot more places. And if you do, you won't miss our next week's episode, which is going to be on... Hydro bonds. Mm, mm. That sounds exciting. Come back next week for hydro bonds, but right now, structured finance. So we can do this one very free and easy, unstructured, you might say. Mm -hmm. right, so we've got with us uh, Milena Messori, who's head of intermediated finance for micro, small, and medium sized enterprises. Uh, and also likes to climb mountains. Like which mountains? Uh, I climbed a number of them, um, Mount Ararat being one of them, but also Mont Blanc, Kilimanjaro, and uh, um, Mount Fuji. That's pretty much all the big ones, really. You well, know, I mean, mm -hmm. you've got to go to the Himalayas, but those are all really nice ones. That's so. the next step. They're all mm -hmm. ones that we've, we've heard. Mount, Fuji, Mount Ararat, mm -hmm. that's very biblical. And Mont Blanc. Exactly. Wow, that's actually quite dangerous sometimes. It can be. It can be dangerous indeed. Wow, we're lucky to have you with us. Nothing happened, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and Karen Canonter is a structured finance officer here at the European Investment Bank. Nothing quite that dangerous? No, not at all. No, but still energetic. Yes, I need, I need to run to get some steam out of my mind. Ah, so Milena walks up things and you I just run, run around them. Yes. Like what kinds of things? Well, I play tennis, uh, but at a very low level in the sense that I'm a beginner. I'm really enjoying this, but I have no talent for it. So mm. I'm, doing this for, I'm doing this for pure enjoyment. Uh, I also practice yoga. Uh, also, I'm no good at it, but I really enjoy it as well. How can you be no good at yoga? Uh, do you have what do you have to well, be you good have at? to be a bit flexible, flexible? Right? Oh, okay. so this is not one of my attributes okay <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that as my yoga teacher says that's the meditation yeah. you just yeah it's all about the practice mm. right well let's go into structured finance mm, that's let's smooth. talk about was that the, that yes, was very like, smooth yes I like yeah that. absolutely well <clears throat> much like uh, Karen and her sports we're doing the podcast because we really enjoy it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because we're so good at it. But that's what makes us lovable, isn't that right, Ella? 
What is structured finance? Structured finance, uh, I would define it as a, um, a sector of finance which has become more and more important. I would say, you know, when I, when I was studying for my MBA already at that time, which is quite some time ago, we were talking about structural finance. So it has become popular, I would say, in the mid-80s. But then uh, um, it, it, it has a... It, it has acquired a bad connotation, bad connotation because of what happened in the mid-2000s and the, the financial crisis in 2007-2008. What is structural finance? I would say is uh, um, a, a way for issuers, so for borrowers, to raise liquidity by um, issuing uh, financial instruments that are a little bit more sophisticated than the usual conventional debt. And uh, uh, it offers uh, issuers the possibility to offload assets from their balance sheet and offload the risk to investors. And it offers investors the opportunity of diversifying the risk by diversifying the financial assets that they can have access to. So if a, if a company just issues a bond, that's not structured? That's unstructured finance? A bond issuance is not a structured finance mm -hmm. per se. Mm -hmm. Uh, it depends in the sense of how do you issue it? Is it just a, um, a unit tranche? bond or is it going to be uh, more uh, structured and when it's more structured is because the issuer itself is repackaging its assets according to risk and then it's selling to investors different tiers of assets that have in common as the same uh, the same level of risk well, this all started, you mentioned, in the, in the 1980s. That was yeah. with this idea of securitization. Yes. Is that right? Securitization is part of structural finance. But what is securitization? Securitization is the possibility of, uh, for, a, for a, an issuer to um, create a financial instrument where the issuer is repackaging its assets and selling them to investors. And normally it's uh, done by financial intermediaries, uh, but we as EIB, we, have a, we are a little bit front runner in the sense that we have also um, created internally something that is not very common in the market because normally securitization is for very granular portfolios. Um, and it's normally used, for example, for mortgage-backed securities. Um, in our case, EIB has realized that there are needs in the market uh, because SMEs and mid-caps are not sufficiently um, able to access uh, the capital markets. Capital markets in general in Europe are less developed than elsewhere. So what the EIB has done is to look at new way of structured finance uh, uh, transaction with non-granular securitization. Uh, so the granularity is, if you want, reduced, which means is a little bit more uh, difficult to find in the market because it's still very risky. 
you don't get the same diversification of risk that you get with uh, granular, uh, granular portfolios. And this is where the EIB has been quite innovative. And we have done already a couple of transactions and we are expected to do more going forward. So, so the granular would be a, a, you know, a lot of mortgages packaged together. So there would be a lot of, a lot of different risks in one sort of a product that is being provided to the investors, right? And Correct. the non-granular one would be, you know, more uh, different companies packaged together. Like a, like a handful mm -hmm. of companies that are issuing bonds and we are buying notes that are issued by a special purpose vehicle, mm -hmm. which has in its balance sheet the mini bonds issued by the companies. Mm -hmm. Okay. But obviously you, you understand, one thing is to have in front of you a handful of, uh, of assets, like five, ten assets, and one thing is to have hundred assets. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the diversification is such that we are obviously uh, looking at very different levels of risk. Okay. Because if one defaults, it's very likely that the whole structure will be affected. While if you have an, a structure where there are, I don't know, 50, 60, 80, 100 of, uh, uh, of mini bonds, for example, then if one or, or two defaults, the impact on the whole structure is much lower. Let's, let's really try and break mm. it down because uh, you mentioned the 1980s, the, the first securitizations were I think I'm correct in saying with asset-backed securities, mortgages. Karen, how did that really work? What, what is, as Milenia is saying, being repackaged? Okay, so the idea initially was for banks to be able to offload sovereign mortgages that they had on their balance sheet so that they could free up resources and maybe lend some more to other, uh, for other mortgages or other purposes, so SME, corporate lending, whatever they wanted, they needed at the time. Uh, on the side of these, the investors, it was a way for them to gain exposure to these mortgages, which are mostly held by banks but typically mortgages are supposed to be fairly safe lending. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, we have an institutional investor such as an insurance company and they wanted to invest their cash in something that they felt was safe, they could invest in those mortgages. Now, the idea also was that you could also attract different kind of investors with different kind of risk appetite by having those structured finance, let's say, uh, ABS, which would have different trenches and each trench would have a risk profile. So for example, for uh, a pension fund, they would invest in the, most, in the safest trench, which would be, let's say, triple A. Whereas a hedge fund, which would try to get a lot of returns, they would invest in the riskiest trench, which creates more yield for them. So the, mm -hmm. the, the coupon that this trench would be paying would be higher. The benefit for, let's say, the uh, consumers or, or would be that there would be mortgages available less, more or less for everybody. So those who have a risky, uh, who have a, a high risk profile, so people who are unemployed or in short-term employment or, or have a bad credit score, mm -hmm. they still could find financing for the right price. The ABS that you mentioned, that's the asset-backed securities, yes? And the, so, so the way that the bank would do this is that the bank would create a a new structure, a special purpose vehicle, 
uh, and would sell these mortgages mortgages into this structure mm -hmm. and then that structure would issue bonds and that would they would be sold nice. to uh, yeah, and to the investors. The, this SPV, as you said, would issue notes. Mm -hmm. Those notes would have different, uh, let's say it's called Series A, Series B, Series C, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. The, the names changes, change, but the principle is always the same. Each of the compartments or, or, the, or the, the tranche has a different risk profile. Mm -hmm. And so the people who would buy a different tranche are, have a different profile as an investor. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that you would be able to cover a bigger part of the market because normally banks if they are only limited to I mean if they follow their own risk appetite they would only lend to the people who are who have the, the safest risk profile mm -hmm. but because they would be able to take on board those risky loans and then sell them to the market partially or fully the idea is that everybody would be able to get financing for a competitive price. I mean, I'm not saying that the people who have a, a low, a high risk profile would be able to secure very good terms, but at least they would be able to get financing mm. in the first place. So it's really taking something that you couldn't invest in and turning it into a security which you can then buy and sell like a stock or a bond. Correct. It's a capital market instrument in that sense. Uh -huh. and, the, and the way this uh, played into the, the financial crisis was that a lot of investors didn't really know what was in those tranches, right? Correct. And, uh, and so with a lot of these different mortgages in those, in those tranches, people, did, did they not look into what's behind, the, behind those, what's in those tranches? Or was it, was it not made clear to them by the banks? Or what was the reason for that? They were mostly relying on the rating of the trench, which was usually uh, performed by rating agencies. And it could be argue, argued that the, the standards of due diligence of the rating agencies at the time was not high enough. So they, they themselves have no clue what was in that trench. And mm -hmm. of course, they would give it a very good rating, whereas the asset actually was not that good. Mm -hmm. So to some extent, it can be argued that some investors got fooled or relied too much on those ratings. And this is why, Milena, you say that structured finance got a, kind of a bad name during that time because of those uh, those kinds of deals, right? But we were, we, then, back then, we were talking about, uh, if you want, an inflationary bubble. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's a completely different uh, situation currently. And uh, we shouldn't just, uh, you know, leave this bad connotation with structured finance because structured finance still can provide liquidity to borrowers that otherwise would not be able to satisfy their very peculiar and unique cash flows needs. Mm -hmm. So structural finance offers this flexibility that normally a standard debt uh, instrument would not be able to, to offer. So it's, it's still very important, especially to develop capital markets and capital markets is, um, is, is, is very important in, in Europe because as we know uh, it's not very developed. Banks uh, are currently also not lending to SMEs and mid-caps and uh, this is where an institution like the EIB can really make mm -hmm. a difference. You mentioned that, uh, that one of the structures that we do is uh, uh, brings together less granular assets mm -hmm. uh, uh, like uh, companies into one one structure. How, 
can you can you give us an example of how how we do that and how what kind of companies we package together? What what do we package them together based on? Is it also based on ratings or how do we decide which ones to put together? Normally, we try to put together companies that are quite similar uh, in terms of uh, turnover, in terms of number of employees. But they can't be competitors, right? That would be weird. What we have done so far, for example, were uh, structures where the companies were uh, coming from very different uh, industries. Uh, We have recently uh, finalized the transaction in Italy and I can tell you that the number of industries that were covered by this uh, this structure was quite uh, varied, Uh, also in terms of regions um, in Italy. Um, So we we tend to give uh, certain requirements that the companies have to fulfill because we rely on their uh, ability to ultimately repay their their Mm -hmm. bonds um, because the notes that we buy are linked to the bonds that the companies are issuing. So if the companies are not able to repay, obviously then we suffer as lender. Sure, But, but, but so for the investors, it wouldn't be an investment into a specific industry or not into a specific region. It would just be into a, a type of, company or a size of a company or normally it's mid caps mm-hmm. uh, generally mid caps um, but it can also be sector specific uh, we have done that as well we have uh, also uh, closed uh, a transaction with uh, uh, water companies in uh, in Italy so it very much depends on the needs the needs of the market but Currently, what we are seeing is that there is a need for financing from various sectors, various industries. So um, the more diversified the basket is, the better it is for us as investors because we reduce our risk. The water companies that you mentioned in Mm. Italy, it was called the Hydro Bond. The Hydro Bond, Which we have our, our next podcast is about the Hydro Bond. So our listeners will be able to check back Next week, and find out all about Italians and what's coming through their pipes and out of their, their faucets. But the other thing that you're describing is called a basket bond. It's basket bond, yes. And it's as well, uh, it was also in Italy. And the reason why we are targeting Italy is because, uh, not because I'm Italian, <laughs> but because I, uh, Italy has a, ver- um, a quite developed legislation in terms of securitization and also mini bonds issuance. So uh, it's a good uh, starting point for us in order to pilot these novel uh, instruments and then possibly expand them to other countries uh, in Europe. One of the things that I've heard a lot of talk about working here at the European Investment Bank is the first loss piece. Now, you were talking, Karen, about risk uh, profile and so on. What's the first loss piece? So essentially, that's the trench that would take the first losses, quite literally. So the idea is that of uh, a pass-through. Let's say it's a back-to-back. So for example, if you take a a basket of, let's say, 100 companies, and company number one defaults, then it will have an immediate impact on the ABS, which is supposed to mirror the repayment flows, the cash flows from the bonds into the notes. So essentially, what they will do 
by there will be sort of a waterfall so there's a priority in payments and first the senior investors so those who benefit from the best rated tranche will get paid first and last will be those who have the lowest rated tranche which is usually called the equity tranche or the first loss and these are the ones the investors that would take the hit from the first uh, losses that you will see within the assets, so being sort of this basket of, of, of companies, of issuers that you see. So the first loss is basically literally what it is. It's The name says what it is. It's the one, the trench that is supposed to absorb the first losses up into a certain level. And then once this trench is fully wiped out, then we move on to the second trench, the second loss, essentially. Getting the first loss piece or buying the first loss piece, does that mean you... Uh, you get paid more for the risk you're taking? Or Absolutely. in some cases, does someone actually want to be the one that that loses the money? It happens that we have third parties that would buy the first loss. So they tend to be hedge funds. And I mean, they are really after yield returns. If they want to boost up the returns and they have the risk appetite for it, it can happen that they would be the, the investors in that kind of first loss piece. Usually what we ask is that the bank uh, that is sort of packaging this whole transaction, that they retain part of the risk because they have to put their money where their, their, their mouth is. So if they are selling this to the market, they have to be sure that the risk profile or the structure is healthy enough for them to retain some risk. So we, usually we ask them to retain part of the first loss. And I've seen sometimes that first loss piece is used to, for, for a grant from the EU or something like that. And that's, they're expecting to lose it. They just want other people to invest in something Absolutely. which otherwise they wouldn't have invested in. So in that context, that would be the EU taking money that was, let's say, for example, previously used for grants. So grants, basically, you give the money and you don't expect to get it back at any point in time. So they would use the same pool pot of money, but invest it in a different way. So they would take this subordinated position, meaning that they would take the, the, the risk, most of the risk, so that they can attract other investors who would benefit from sort of this protection to uh, join and finance projects which are of interest for, for example, the, commission, the European Commission or the EU. Mm. So that's the way it works. I think the interest of this uh, the, of this use of the money of public money is that in the first loss you may or may not lose the whole mm -hmm. amount of money as opposed to a grant the grant you give it away and you know for sure that you will never get it back so there's an interest to for the eu for example for the commission to invest in well to provide first losses because they may or may not get the money back but at least they attract uh, the crowd in other investors to uh, to go alongside them. So, so it's so it's that, a bit more efficient. That's one of the things with, uh, that the EU uh, that the Commission means when they talk about using more financial instruments in mm -hmm. in, in the next um, financial framework. Absolutely. But if I may, I mean, in addition to what uh, Karen mentioned, so that the first loss piece is provided either by. Uh, entities like uh, the European Commission or the banks themselves that are um, um, arranging and originating uh, the, the securitization. In the case of our basket bond, it was actually provided by the companies themselves. So mm. the companies themselves, the 10 companies that are participating in the basket bond, decided to leave 
money aside, cash aside, to cover for the losses of everyone else. So mm. it's quite innovative in the sense that there was a mutualization of risk mm. among the, the 10 companies that participated in the basket bond. And this is, again, something quite innovative in the industry. You mentioned financial instruments. Are all these things that we're talking about, because they're structured, are they all synthetic financial instruments? What's a synthetic financial instrument? And can I wear it? That's the real question. <laughs> well, you use the word synthetic when uh, there is not a true sale uh, attached to it. Ah. So uh. it's, um, you're not actually selling. Uh, for example, a bank, when they do securitization, is because they sell part of their assets to an SPV, a special purpose vehicle, which is bankruptcy remote from uh, the bank, the commercial bank that is doing the securitization. In the case of a synthetic securitization, there is not such a sale of assets. So the assets remains in the balance sheet of the financial in uh, intermediary, but they are, if you want, ring-fenced. So you, they, can, they are identified and they are not um, you know, put in a different uh, uh, framework. So there's just simply a legal contract between the investors Correct. and the exactly. bank that regulates what's ring fence and what's not. Exactly, okay. yes. So to answer my question, I can't wear them. Y you cannot. Oh, no. okay. No. What, what other uh, types of structured finance are there? Um, what other ones are frequently used? Uh, we talked about asset-backed securities and, mm. and basically securitization. Is that is that all of it, or are there other kinds of um, structured finance or finance structures that we should uh, be, be familiar with? Well, okay, securitization by itself is a term that can encompass, um, you know, a broad range of uh, uh, of. Uh, instruments because it depends on the assets that you're looking at. Mortgage-based, for example, is because mm -hmm. the underlying assets are mortgages. Um, we as EIB, we also look, we are also uh, promoting uh, uh, other uh, structures like, for example, uh, debt funds, private debt funds. Again, this is always in the um, uh, in the in the scope of uh, uh, developing the capital markets and uh, developing structures that are non-bank intermediated. So they don't go through banks, but they are nevertheless providing liquidity to uh, borrowers. Uh, how this is done is done through uh, either platform lending platforms or um, fund managers that instead of uh, providing uh, what is normally you know, typical of uh, funds, so private equity, investing in equity, they lend, they lend to, uh, to the final beneficiaries, the borrowers. Um, and this is, again, something that the EIB is now starting to do. Obviously, we have our subsidiary, the European Investment Fund, that has been doing this for years. And now the EIB is also entering in this space because we realize that there is need in the market for this kind of instruments. And a debt fund by itself, is it becomes structural finance if, again, it is linked to 
tranches. So if the, the, the risk is tranched so that investors are taking uh, uh, either more risk, like first loss pieces, mm -hmm. or uh, in between, like mezzanine tranches or senior, senior tranches, obviously the less risky. And this is, this also serves the purpose of credit enhancement, which is another concept of or another aspect of uh, structured finance, right? To make the credit worthiness of a structure more suitable for a investor with a with a certain risk appetite. Correct. And by providing a first loss piece, normally you do provide credit enhancement because mm -hmm. the structure itself becomes more appealing to investors that otherwise would not have been able to to access this kind of uh, of risk but from a point of view of, of a company why why is the existence of a debt fund uh, more you know better for them than than bank financing well because normally uh, a debt fund will uh, require the full repayment of the debt that is provided not uh, according to a standard amortized um, you know schedule but for example at uh, at final maturity so the company that is growing and needs cash to grow will not have to face uh, these uh, periodical payment of capital and interest, but can also just repay the interest and pay the capital at maturity. So these are form, these are instruments that provide more flexibility to companies, that address the needs of companies that are either growing, expanding, they, are, they don't have yet the assets that they can uh, you know, uh, put as security. So it's, uh, it's a way of you know, creating uh, capital markets and uh, fostering the economy. Hmm. Well, I'm always impressed by how smart the people are who right. come on our podcast. But and how well structured they are. I think. Oh, yes. But, but in this case, it's, it's an issue that I've heard about for a long time, a long time. I've read little snippets about it. I've realized how important it is. But actually now I feel like I pretty much understand it which probably is time, means it's time for us to stop the podcast here before I get confused again. Yes, let's not make it any more complicated than it already sounds. <laughs> Milena, Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. According to the regular structure of this podcast, this is the time where we ask you to subscribe. Yes, you can do that on Stitcher, on iTunes, on um, YouTube, on uh, Spotify. And also, this is... The next part of the structure is uh, we tell you to uh, get back to us on Twitter. I'm at Allartankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. I'm at E-I-B Matt, E-I-B-M-A-T-T. And we've reached the point in the structure where we say, now here's the closing music. <laughs>